This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello, and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Volkbaum. And Annie, you, you wrote in a question at the top of our outline today. A very serious one. Would you like to would you like to share it with our listeners? Are you Aiken? Or some bacon? <laughs> you want to be a big pig too? Oi! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. Thanks for setting that up and letting me letting me do it. Well, Lion King is one of my favorite favorite films. Oh yes, and Timon and Pumbaa are very very important to yes. to my heart. Yup, yup. So we're talking about bacon today. We are. Yeah, <laughs> not the Lion King. No, but don't get me started. <laughs> um, the U.S. and Canada. We've been in the midst of kind of a bacon mania. That's what it's called. It's called by people who study these things, bacon mania. Yeah. We did not come up with that. No. Um, A fun but superfluous study out of Canada showed that 43% of respondents said they'd rather have bacon than sex. Ah. Wow. But I got another question. Equally serious. Has bacon jumped the shark? I think it kind of sort of has. Oh, no. Yes, right when I was writing this, doing the research, typing away, onion headline pops up on my Twitter feed. FDA cancels bacon recall after finding U.S. population already ate it. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's true. It is. Uh, we, we do like our bacon. We certainly do. But, hey, bacon. What is it? 
It is a salt-cured and often smoked pork product uh, from one of a couple different parts of a pig, depending on what style of bacon you're talking about. American-style bacon comes from the belly or the side of the pig and has a perhaps even mix of meat and fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, this cut is sometimes also sold uncured as pork belly. Oh, hmm, I didn't know that. Yep. Canadian bacon is a leaner cut from the loin, more similar to what we Americans think of as ham. It comes from the pig's back um, uh, around, yeah, the, the loin, and has most of the fat trimmed off. In the U.K., what we call bacon in the U.S. is known as streaky bacon. Um, a side of bacon is called a gammon, and a U.K.-style slice is called a rasher. Rashers are cut from the back and the side of the pig, incorporating parts used in both American and Canadian bacon. More fat is left on than in the uh, typical Canadian bacon style, and the meat is more marbled with fat as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Pancetta, which is Italian-style bacon, is also cut from that fatty belly or or side, though it's not usually smoked. German-style bacon, a.k.a. speck, is also the same cut, and it's commonly smoked with beech wood, which I've heard gives it a distinctly different uh, flavor experience than uh, hickory-smoked bacon, which is pretty standard for American. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Spanish-style, or tochino, is also from the belly, though it's more likely to be served in cubes rather than slices. Oh, yeah. And is only vaguely related to the Filipino breakfast food, tochino. Duly noted. Yeah. Don't don't, don't have time for it today. (laughs) Just wanted to say. We we got a lot of bacon stuff to pile through. We really do. Etymology-wise, bacon most likely comes from an old high German word for buttock. Okay. Bajol, which itself goes back to an older German dialect word, bacon. Old Dutch had bacon, and old French had bacon. Lots of possibilities there. It could have come from... Any or all. Yeah, really. (laughs) At first, the term referred to all pork. It wasn't until the mid-16th century that it came to mean a specific cut of pork, which, as you can imagine, makes research fun. Real interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yay. So that's what bacon is, but how is it made? Well, interestingly, a couple of the very things that make bacon delicious also made it safer to eat for a longer period of time back before refrigeration existed. And so that is why bacon is made the way it is, which is, um, okay, so whatever type of bacon you're talking about, you're going to start with a a slab of pork, uh, belly, side, loin. It's trimmed so that it will produce identical pieces when it's sliced. Then you cure it. Traditionally, that's applying a dry rub of salt and probably sugar and spices, Salt and sugar are both hygroscopic, meaning they draw water to them. This dissolves the sugar and salt crystals, and via osmosis, they enter the meat and push water out to the surface where it can evaporate. A little bit more on that in our salt episode, which is is happening either right before this or right after. It could be either. We never know. Mystery. For mass production, it's more likely that a brine solution of salt, sugar, nitrites or nitrates, and spices will be used instead of a dry rub. Either the meat will be soaked in this brine or the brine will be injected into the meat. This is quicker and easier to mechanize, but has the same result of adding salt and sugar to the meat. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. However you do it, you then let the slab hang out, literally, in a cool, dry area for a period of time, a few hours, up to a couple weeks, to let the salt and sugar do their work. 
This preserves the meat because salt and sugar mess with any microorganisms that could get in and start breaking the meat down and making it spoil. And they do that in a couple ways. They interfere with the microbes' enzymes and DNA, and they remove the microbes' water supply, which they need. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when the meat is done curing, you wash the slab to remove any residues. And then if you're smoking the meat, and traditionally speaking you are, you place the slab in a chamber that that captures the smoke from damp, low-heat, smoldering wood, thus infusing the meat with the smoke. This takes a few days, during which the meat also dries out a little bit more, and the albeit mild heat and smoke particles are also antimicrobial. Ah. Mm Mm-hmm. For mass production, the meat will be thermally processed uh, with or without smoke from some moistened sawdust, probably. This is done quickly in high-temperature ovens. Instead of literally smoking the meat, you might add liquid smoke for flavoring, which is an industrial product that is made of smoke. And man, I want to do a whole episode on it now. Me too. I had no idea. Um, I don't think it has the same antimicrobial properties of traditional airborne smoke. <laughs> Uh, But since we have refrigeration now, that doesn't particularly matter. Mm -hmm. Mass-produced bacon, and especially the the super-fast process, injection-cured stuff, which which happens over the course of like a couple hours rather than this whole like multi-day or multi-week process, um, it retains more liquid and can even exceed its original uncured slab in weight due to that added liquid. Uh Though not if you want to be able to call it bacon here in the United States. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Cured bacon has to have less or less than or equal weight to the original stuff. Oh. The, the original uncured piece okay. of meat hmm. to be called bacon. Well, all right then. That'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of vigorous finger pointing <laughs> happening. I'm not sure at who, but. Oh, you know. You, the bacon producer. Ah, yes. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, you've turned a slab of pork into a slab of bacon. It is ready to be chilled and sliced. I love your use of that's it. Like oh, yeah. Liquid smoke yeah. and thermal processing. That's it. <laughs> no that's problem. all you need. <laughs> that's all you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> there is also shelf-stable bacon, which is bacon that has been processed like this, or, or meat that has been processed like this to create bacon, and then uh, sliced and pre-cooked so that its water activity is at or below 0.85, which means that bacteria cannot grow in it. Right. Yeah. If you're looking to hear that bacon is good for you, uh, well, this isn't really the podcast for you, I suppose. No. Maybe, yeah, just play music really loudly for the next, like, two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Bacon always has salt since it's used for curing the meat, and it also is useful in prohibiting bacteria growth. Nitrate is another thing that is present in a lot of bacon products. Primarily to um, prevent toxin and rancidness from Uh, happening. Yeah, uh, nitrites are really good at preventing Clostridium botulinum Mm -hmm. growth, which causes botulism, which you don't want. No, no. no. Uh, And that's also what gives it that pink hue, which has come up a couple times. The the nitrites, not the botulism. Not botulism, no. Um, Other additives you might find on bacon labels are spices, flavorings, maple sugar, and wood smoke. A serving size of bacon, which is usually three slices, will run you 120 calories, 9 grams of fat, 7.5 grams of protein, 30 milligrams of cholesterol, and 435 milligrams of sodium. Um, That's kind of a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. 
We just did the salt episode right before this, so. Yeah, it is a very calorie-dense food. Yeah. According to one study out of Columbia University, consumption of bacon and other cured meats was related to an increase in chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which the researchers hypothesize is due to the sodium nitrate. They also posited that eating bacon could be bad for your arteries and blood vessels, which in turn could lead to an increased risk of heart disease. The Harvard School of Public Health came out with a study in 2010 that suggested consumption of meats that were processed through either smoking, curing, or salting was linked to increased risk of diabetes and, once again, heart disease. Another study from Harvard found that men who ate a lot of processed meats had lower sperm counts. Lots of factors involved there, though. Oh, yeah. Um, One positive study from University of North Carolina, um, a micronutrient present in pork bacon called choline, might be good for the brain development of babies in the womb. Oh. Another positive study from Nature Chemical Biology found that niacin or vitamin B3 present in foods like bacon might help you live a bit longer. However, you can get niacin from other non-bacon healthier sources. Uh, Yes. But you know the drill on all of this. Our bodies are complicated. More research is needed. Et cetera. Take, take it with a grain of salt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Oh, and here, here's another question for you, Lauren. Uh, okay. Is bacon better for you than tilapia? Oh, what? What? I'd never heard of this either, but we had a couple of listeners have emailed in about this. Uh-huh. And apparently... It was a popular clickbaity headline oh. like a year or so ago. Okay, uh-huh. The claim was tilapia caused cancer and maybe also Alzheimer's. Therefore, you're better off eating bacon. Oh. Yeah. That doesn't sound like it's taking all of the factors into consideration no. in the tilapia versus bacon. Yeah, yeah. it seems kind of reductive. <laughs> um, but as you may suspect— yeah, it's untrue. The rumors stem from a 2008 paper out of the Journal of the American Dietetic Association that found, in so many words, tilapia wasn't a good choice for people who were eating it to control inflammatory diseases. And that, if you disregard all other nutritional information, bacon and hamburger had less of an inflammatory potential. Ah, Yeah, but that's if you disregard everything else. Um, so many experts disputed the claim, especially after the media ran with the headline, Bacon, better for you than tilapia. Uh, the study author claimed he never intended to paint tilapia as the cause of anything bad, but that he believed you should be eating fish with more omega-3s like salmon. Ah. Reading about the study, seems like there were some problems with the methodology. Um, and as for the Alzheimer's claim, that seems to be on shaky scientific ground as well. There are very conflicting studies <laughs> And as for the cancer thing specifically, there was a story floating around that tilapia had 10 times the amount of carcinogens of other fish. That number does not seem to bear out. Um, Future episode for sure, but short version is that overall no bacon is not better for you than tilapia. No. No, generally. Generally not. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, food food reporters do better. Oh. (laughs) Or, yeah. Or, yeah, it's, a, it's a problem in, like, science. I feel like a lot of times you're trying to sell a paper, not me specifically, but, you know, and so you huh. just condense these complicated, nuanced scientific things to eat more bacon. Right, to something that will sell 
Right. Yeah, because someone like me who loves bacon is like, okay, perfect. science is telling me eat more bacon. I am on board. I will listen. Yeah, and then another study comes out, never eat bacon again. Like, oh, <laughs> people do what they want to do is generally what I'm saying. Indeed. <laughs> Which is, including eating a lot of bacon. Oh, a whole bunch. Americans ate an average of 18 pounds of pork bacon a year as of 2013. Um, this is $5,760,000,000 pounds of bacon a year. Oh. And if you take into account all of the religions or diets that don't allow for pork, um, some of us eat uh, way more than that. Yeah. Um, 70% of bacon is eaten for breakfast. In the U.S., yeah. Yes. Um, and there are, of course, pork bacon alternatives, turkey bacon, imitation bacon. A few others, sure. Yeah. Bacon has seen quite the rise in popularity. From 2001 to 2009, the amount of bacon used in food services rose by 25%, and the annual growth rate from 2011 to 2013 was 2.4%. That same year, 2013, U.S. bacon sales were $4 billion. Yeah. This level of consumption led to the lowest level of frozen pork belly in the U.S. inventory in December 2016 since 1957. Wow. Yeah. Um, Huh. mm Mm-hmm. The U.S. doesn't really import bacon, and uh, grocery store bacon is generally pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and although there has been that whole bacon mania thing here in North America, the rest of the world likes it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, according to a company called Mordor Intelligence, and I cannot believe someone named a company that. Y'all Lord of the Rings fans see me. I know <laughs> you do. But according to Mordor Intelligence, as of 2016, the global market for bacon was valued at about $56 billion. Whoa. And it's expected to rise as the developing world grows more able to afford meat products. I feel like Mordor Intelligence is what you could have called the ring race. Ooh. Oh, man. Yeah, totally. Someone should write Tolkien a letter. <laughs> <laughs> Lord of the Rings, but if it was, like, a boring company. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yes. I'm sure that fan fiction exists oh, somewhere. I, I, I'm positive. After I read that Velveeta fan fiction, <laughs> I would be hard-pressed <laughs> to believe that doesn't exist. All right. We've got a lot of history to talk about. We do. Yes. But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? 
time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. The history of salted pork products goes way back. Mm -hmm. At least thousands of years back from when you'd find salted pork belly on ancient Chinese tables. The Roman Empire differentiated between ham and shoulder bacon, which they called patasso. I keep saying it like Picasso in my head, but I, who knows? Picasso. Picasso. <laughs> you, say, you say potato, I, I say Picasso. Um, mm. You might dry salt <laughs> or barrel the meat in its own brine. Each came with a particular cooking method, according to the writings in Apicios, which we have mentioned before on this very podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it described how both were first boiled with dried figs. Hey, figs. Okay. Yeah. But ham was typically baked, sometimes with some flour and paste, and bacon was browned and intended to be served with sauce of wine and pepper. Ooh. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Bacon was cheap and a key component of the peasant diet in Europe. In 12th century England, a small town church would give any married man who would swear before the congregation and God himself— or herself. We're not saying. Yeah. That he had not argued with his wife for a year and a day. He would be bequeathed a side of bacon or a flitch of bacon. Thus, a man who bought home the bacon was very respected in the community. Ah, okay. Over time, bringing home the bacon evolved to mean making money for the home. That's where the phrase comes from. Maybe, probably. Maybe. Yeah. Hard to pin these things down. Um, apparently, this is still sort of a thing in the town of Great Dunmo, where the phrase originated. Every four years, married couples can take part in the Dunmo Flitch Trials. This involves the couple appearing before a judge and jury composed of six single dudes and six single ladies and doing their best to convince them that for one year and one day, they have not wished they weren't married. Huh. If they convince the judge and jury, the couple goes home with a flitch of bacon. <laughs> <laughs> this is so delightful to me. It is. I'm so glad that this happened. <laughs> I know. If anyone's ever witnessed this or been a part of it, please write in. Absolutely. Christopher Columbus landed in Cuba with eight pigs, but in 1539, Hernando de Soto arrived to the New World with 13 pigs. Um, and within three years, that number grew to 700. Oh, whoa. Yeah, pretty fast. Okay. Uh, the National Pork Board bestows de Soto with the title, The Father of the American Pork Industry. Yeah. Pigs and bacon were pretty much a part of the colonies and later American diet from the start. The brining was useful pre-refrigeration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pigs and pork were allegedly a peace offering to the Native Americans um, given by 
old war imperialists and conquerors. Like, hey, here we are, some pigs. Yeah. Like, that's going to... Make it better? Yeah. Um, in 1653, the Dutch were trying to build around uh, a wall around Manhattan Island to prevent entry by both the British and Native Americans out of New Amsterdam, which is, yeah, New York, on what eventually would become Wall Street. I did not know that. But their progress was undermined by a large group of pigs. <laughs> Even into the 19th century, pigs ran wild in the streets of New York, Lauren. Wild pigs. Wild pigs? Mm-mm. Huh. That sounds terrifying. It actually does. And there's a horror movie, and I won't go into it, but there's a scene with wild pigs, and ever since then, that movie was in Russian, and I remember that scene so clearly. <laughs> I can't forget it. <laughs> I must move on. Author William Ellis wrote in 1750, Where there is bread and bacon enough, there is no want. In the northern parts of England, thousands of families eat little other meat than bacon. And indeed, in the southern parts, more than ever live on bacon. So it was a very important Part of the diet. Staple food, yeah. Yeah. Prior to the Industrial Revolution, most bacon was produced on local farms or perhaps in your own home if you had pigs. Some city dwellers in Britain even kept pigs in their basements before it was outlawed in the 1930s. Huh. Yeah. Most bacon was also dry cured, basically a longer way of curing bacon where you rub the salt on by hand. Cured and smoked. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. In the 1770s, John Harris Wiltshire set up the very first business that on a large scale focused on bacon curing. From what I read, this is still the bacon producing hub in Britain. So pretty successful there. Yeah. And from there, this British-born method of making bacon spread throughout Europe. Sometime between the 17th and 18th century, the Asian pig was introduced in Europe and crossbred with local pigs to produce a pig that allowed for better cuts of bacon. Not just that, though. They also bred breeds of pig better suited for ham, for lard, all kinds of things. And let us now turn to the nephew of Sigmund Freud, one Edward Bernays. That Edward Bernays? Indeed, that Edward Bernays. Some of y'all might not have heard of him, but um, around the office, he's a pretty common name, mostly due to the diligent work of Ben Bolin uh, and stuff they don't want you to know. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in the 1920s, Bernays was working in advertising and public relations, and he pretty much created it. Yep. Um, he was approached by Beech Nut Packing, a company that made a lot of products, and they wanted to increase their sales of bacon. Bernays was on the case. He went to the agency's on-call doctor and was like, hey, don't you think that a big breakfast would be a good thing for the Americans? Like, the most important meal of the day, would you say? <laughs> And I can just see, like, dollar signs in the doctor's eyes as he's like, yes, yes. Absolutely. And how. <laughs> and um, he, the doctor, reached out to about 5,000 of his medical friends, asking them to agree as well. And agree they did. And the study, in heavy quotes, recommended that your health, for your health, Americans, you should eat a heavier breakfast. And if you're looking for ideas, well, well we should just bacon and eggs. Huh. Yeah. Curious. Yeah. And this is where I got the idea for an episode we're going to start researching soon. Why do we eat three meals a day? Because I'd never really thought about. So they kind of just made breakfast a thing then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Very excited to look into that. Yeah. And we didn't mention this in the banana episode, but Bernays worked with the United Fruit Company, a.k.a. Chiquita, to help out with that coup that led to the overthrow of the Guatemalan government. Oh. Yeah. He's, uh, 
there's a reason Ben Bolland talks about him a lot around the office. Yeah. Uh, In the 1930s, as Jewish American culture started developing, kosher beef bacon, uh, or like bacon substitute, really, uh, hit the market called beef fry. With an E on the end. Uh Uh-huh. During rationing of World War II in the 1940s, the American Fat Salvage Committee was formed and called on housewives to save all the fat you had left over from cooking. American Fat Salvage Committee. What a name. Uh. Disney even got involved, creating a cartoon with this line. A skill of bacon grease is a little munitions factory. Every year, two billion pounds of waste kitchen fats are thrown away. Enough glycerin for ten billion rapid-fire cannon shells. Thanks, Goofy. Um... (laughs) Oh, did I not mention they wanted the fat for bombs? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. One pound of fat could make a pound of explosives and would also earn you four cents. If you want more explanation, Minnie Mouse and Pluto, they've got it all for you. And as huh. they say in the cartoon, fats make glycerin and glycerin blows stuff up. Um, looking at you, Fight Club. Oh. Only about half of American housewives did this, and America wasn't super hurting for it. From what I read, it was more about keeping the women busy. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Technology and various health trends would make bacon cheaper, more plentiful, and weirder over the next few decades. In the 1960s, we got that shelf-stable, quick-cooking bacon. Cooks in about two or three minutes rather than however long it takes you to cook a piece of bacon other than that. (laughs) Um, The first brand may have been Brown and Serve. Brown and serve. It says it right there on the package. Um, these were developed both for convenience and uh, due to growing research and concern about inhaling the compounds in bacon while they cook. Mm-hmm. In the 1970s, concerns about animal rights and or eating too much meat uh, led food companies to start producing vegetarian bacon from soy products. Mm-hmm. And in the 1990s, America went hog wild. Yeah. Oh, forgive me. For turkey bacon, a processed product made of varying blends of turkeys, white meat, dark meat, and fat. It was sold as a healthier substitute for bacon. But as always, uh, read your food labels, y'all. Some some brands have less fat and fewer calories than pork bacon, but others are about comparable. Mm-hmm. And there's still the, the salt and sugar and nitrates and other preservatives to, to be thinking about. Yeah, and I I think we've mentioned this in our turkey episode, but if you are looking for some hilarious ad copy, oh, turkey bacon. It's they beautiful. Were pushing so hard like it's going to save your life. <laughs> Eat this turkey bacon. So, if you're interested, I I would look it up. I got quite the kick out of it. <laughs> Uh, and then um, recently, in, in the in the twenty teens, during during the height of bacon mania, um, the number of kosher bacon substitutes increased really dramatically. Um, usually labeled fake or imitation to avoid possible customer confusion, and made with just anything and everything, like like lamb to duck to soy to algae. Algae, yeah, huh? huh. Yeah, um, and we have got. Uh, some science behind bacon mania. Bacon science, yep. We do. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. 
Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. ATT Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes. All right. Because of Bacon's popularity, there, there are a lot, just so many weird bacon products. A whole bunch. Yeah. Um, some edible, others not. This reminds me of kale in a lot of ways. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, all right. Here we go. There are bacon sriracha lollipops. Oh, with the sriracha in there. Yep. Uh-huh. Bacon chapstick, bacon cupcakes, bacon donuts, bacon pillows, bacon milkshakes, the Burger King bacon sundae, rest in peace, oh. bacon A's, bacon cocktails, bacon wrapped pretty much Anything. Bacon deodorant, bacon shaving cream, bacon condoms, the 5,000-calorie <laughs> bacon explosion. And on top of that, there are bacon festivals, bacon film festivals, bacon summer camps, bacon bars, bacon condoms again, bacon madness. Um, <laughs> last year, I went to Bacon Fest in Atlanta, and I ate so much bacon. Uh, you just you come in, and they just hand you cups of bacon. Cups of bacon everywhere. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, as this episode is coming out, you have just missed this year's Bacon Fest. Yes. Put on by Dad's Garage, full of lovely people. But um, yeah. but, but there's, there's always something to look forward to next year. It is true. Mm-hmm. It is true. If you're wondering why bacon is so gosh darn popular, the answer, aside from taste and price point, seems to be internet culture, memeability, if you will. Yeah, it's kind of the symbol of, of everything that humans both are and fail at, I think. <laughs> It's what makes us terrific and also, well. Oh, it's like the spork. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. I like that. It's, it's, we're. We're flawed people. We love doing this thing and we know it's terrible for us, but man, do we love it. (laughs) Yeah. It's a cycle of bacon. It is. (laughs) 
<laughs> the circle of bacon. The circle of bacon. Mm-hmm. Oh, it does move us all. It does. <laughs> Comes back to the Lion King. Comes back to King, it does. Uh, okay. There is also some science, though, to why we love bacon. There are about 150 different compounds that make up the flavor of pan-fried bacon, uh, many of which are created from the proteins, fats, sugars, and even nitrites interacting with each other as the bacon cooks. And yes, those nitrites that we've talked about being kind of not great for you mm-hmm. help the flavor of bacon by by reacting with other compounds in the meat and creating these extra uh, meaty, savory flavor compounds that are not present or are not as highly present in meat products made without nitrites. Mm-hmm. They taste tasty. Yeah. There is also the mouthfeel of bacon, that, that crunchy uh, yet melt-in-your-mouth combo. Mm-hmm. This this combination of sensations provides what's called dynamic contrast. This is a phenomenon where when we experience differing or, or opposite sensations at the same time, our brains go, oh, oh, that was strange but exciting. Do that again. <laughs> they, they release extra pleasure chemicals. Oh. Um, so it feels good. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Sounds that's good. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. But no, the sprinkles are also cursed. No! <laughs> um, some of the very compounds that preserve bacon and make it tasty are also hazardous to our health. Um, specifically, they are carcinogenic. Oh. Yeah. The nitrites that are used can become N-nitroso compounds when they encounter the high temperatures involved in frying or grilling, or when they encounter the acids in your stomach. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and nitroso compounds are known carcinogens. And smoke particles also are not good for us. They contain polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, which is a fancy way of saying something that you do not want to breathe in or ingest because they will poke your cells and your cells will not like it. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, PAHs are also carcinogenic. They are the same reason why car exhaust fumes are bad for us. And when we cook and eat bacon that has been smoked, mm-hmm. uh, we're breathing and ingesting those particles. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. So, you know, ventilate. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and there, there is some hope, actually, on, on the PAH front. The automotive industry has been working on filters that remove PAHs from exhaust, and the food industry may be able to adapt them to, to, to food smokers so that less of those harmful particles get in your bacon. Wow. Talking about uh, cars in the bacon episode. Yep. Yeah. I think you've got like, some fine words to live by here, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but okay, so, so despite that glimmer of hope, you know, just, just bake, bacon is a treat, not a lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's it is delicious and um It is. My mouth is actually watering like just thinking about it. Yeah. I I think I read somewhere that um the sound of bacon sizzling. Uh-huh. Something about the sound and the smell is a very like you're already Oh yeah. Super primed. Like you are ready <laughs> to enjoy the heck out of some bacon. <laughs> That's how I feel about it, certainly. Oh, gosh, the smell. And then it stays for days. Oh. oh. And you're like, oh, I already ate that bacon. I know. I, but now I want more. more. It, yeah. These are the struggles. Yeah, bacon and coffee are really the two smells that will get me out of bed. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't there an alarm clock that does that? It does. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 
So versatile bacon. It is. It is. So, yeah, that is our bacon episode. It is, yeah. And it brings us to... to Listen or <laughs> I was doing a very elaborate, like, finger. You were. There's a whole thing going on. Yeah. There's a little finger person crawling up my arm. I, and then an explosion, yeah. I think? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oof. There's Oof. a story there. There is. Speaking of explosions, <laughs> Kristen wrote, I just got done listening to Lights, Camera, Food Stuff, and I was a little surprised that you didn't touch on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Me too, now that you mentioned it. I know. When she wrote that, oh. I was like, how did we not come across right? any of that? Goodness. Um, she continued, I tried to find hard evidence of this, but if you Google the making of Willy Wonka, you find pretty much the same facts. Basically, the Chocolate River was 150,000 gallons of water, chocolate powder, and cream. Oh, no. Apparently, it went bad rather quickly, so the room smelled terrible as they were filming. Oh, no. I can't even imagine. Oh, yeah. Also, as a little kid, I could actually imagine what the little buttercup teacup and saucer tasted like, except it was just wax, not wax candy. Huh. Destroys the illusion, but still pretty cool. I think I always assumed it was made of, like, like fortune cookie. Cookie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Hmm. That movie scared me so bad. I haven't watched it since. Oh. But I've only seen it once. I adored it. I, like, ran it off the videotape <laughs> that I had. Like, I blanked out that tape by watching it so much. <laughs> I still have an enduring love of Gene Wilder based on that movie. Like, that, like, primed me for yeah. everything else that he was in that I watched when I got older. Yeah. I definitely want to rewatch it. It's funny because people, when I tell them it scared me, they always think, oh, like, well, when did she turns into the blueberry or the things that happen to kids. It was Willy Wonka who scared me. Oh, he was terrifying. I, he was meant to be. Well, good, because I, as a kid, I was like, this, <laughs> this is a madman. <laughs> and I thought he was, like, going to, like, just break at any minute, just snap. Yeah. But yes, I, I would love to give it another another go. And we are definitely going to do a fictional foods on Willy Wonka. Oh, we have to. We have to. Immediately. It's there's no question. It's in the food stuff like mission the mission statement yeah. now. Yeah. You must do a fictional food yes. on Willy Wonka. Ah, oh, okay. Uh Francis wrote, I just got done listening to your podcast on corned beef and I knew I had to write in. You mentioned that it is popular in Puerto Rico, and it really is. Actually, all those canned meat products are popular in Puerto Rico thanks to the post-war U.S. government assistance. As a kid, corned beef was one of my favorite things to eat. My mom didn't use it as a filling for alcapurias, please eat these if you ever have a chance, but instead she'd serve it over white rice with lightly cooked onions on top. I was an incredibly picky eater as a kid, and this was the only way I'd eat rice without ketchup. Now I don't like either canned meat or ketchup, but the episode brought back good memories of my mom's corned beef. We also ate a lot of Vienna sausage in yellow rice, a rose con salchica, and eggs with spam. Basically, canned meat was a big part of my childhood. Just after Hurricane Maria this past September, I sent my grandmother and aunts plenty of cans of corned beef, Vienna sausage, and spam, which we call hamonia, little ham, so cute, <laughs> uh, because I knew they'd eat it and love it while waiting for the power to return. Yeah, thanks for uh, confirming confirming that for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Also, oh, hemonia is... Yeah. I, I adore that. It's beautiful. Oh. And I definitely am going to try to find some of these foods. <laughs> Anytime someone is like, go try this thing. I'm like, yes. Yes. Okay. We just got to find it. Done. I yeah. found a place for Hawaiian food, but I will have to drive there. I've got you. 
<laughs> if no. I can't walk a place, then I'm a very, like, iffy. Mm. Yeah, I've totally got you. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, thanks to both of them for writing in. You yeah. can write to us. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw. Also on Instagram at foodstuff. We hope to hear from you. Thank you so much to our producer, Dylan Fagan, <laughs> who always does great faces when I say his name, y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish you were here and could see it. Um, uh, thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Apple Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.